and we're live. Welcome to today's online worship experience. As you can see, today's going to be very different. Happy July 4th weekend. Shout out to all of those incredible men and women who serve and have served for us to experience our freedom as a nation. So I'm thankful for that freedom. She's not perfect, but I am so thankful for this amazing country that we call home. And speaking of home, thanks for inviting me into your home today. Um, so I thought if I'm going to be speaking to you and you're at home, then kind of fits that I'm speaking from my home. So welcome to my home. I wish you were sitting on the couch with me because that's kind of the way I want this to feel today. Um, a little bit unplugged, a little bit unscripted, maybe even uncensored. Um, hopefully there's nothing to censor, but who knows? Maybe there will be. We're going to dive in. We're going to have a good time today. Uh, speaking of freedom, wow, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I'm thankful for spiritual freedom. And this week, I had an unbelievable opportunity to speak to a group of middle school students, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, their state camp, state of Tennessee. I want you to take a look right here. absolutely had a blast, but I got to tell you about an incredible experience. On Wednesday night, uh, I, we gave an altar response, and we had 51 students, 51 athletes respond to a salvation message and or rededication of their heart to Jesus. It was absolutely beautiful, and y'all, it was bold. It was so bold. We didn't do the Every head bowed and every eye closed. I kind of felt the Lord leading in a different direction. So I just literally stood on the stage and said, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, this is the safest place in the world. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet when I count to three. And I want you to say out loud in front of all of your peers, I want to follow Jesus. And they did. I counted to three and all of a sudden these students started standing up all over this auditorium. And as they walked down for salvation to make that decision, I want to follow Jesus. The place erupted. Their peers, their teammates just applauded. It was such a beautiful experience. 
And after we prayed for them and, and, and we sent those 51 students um, to a place where they could receive some discipleship and next steps information, now, we entered into a time of worship, and this one kid just kept inching his way over to me, inching his way over to me. Finally, he got right in front of me, and I looked down at him. He looked up at me, and he said, would you help me be saved? And he buried his head right here in my chest. I had the wonderful privilege of leading him to the Lord to pray that salvation prayer with him. So that 51 became 52. It was a beautiful night, probably one of those top five moments in ministry you just never forget that you want to put on loop and, and play it over and over and in your mind. So I want to thank you for the way that you prayed for me this week as I had the opportunity to go and be an extension of North Park Church, an extension of this family. So thank you for the way that you lifted me up in prayer to be able to go and, and, and do that. Those guys were bold. Those young ladies, they were bold. And so here's my question. How bold are you? How bold are you? How hungry are you to see God move in your life? We say it all the time. I don't want to count my days. I want my days to count. I want the world to be different because I'm here. And here's the thing. I know a lot of students and those students that I were taught, was talking to kind of felt the same way. Well, maybe I'm too young to make a difference. Maybe you would say I'm too old to make a difference. Maybe you would say um, I'm not smart enough to make a difference. Or I've got too much going on in my life to make a difference. I've messed up too much to make a difference. But here's the thing, followers of Jesus do not make excuses. You can either make excuses or you can get results. You cannot do both. So make a decision, right? Are you gonna follow Jesus? Are you gonna be a difference maker? Or are you gonna continue to make excuses? Let me talk to our kids and our students for just a second. If you would say, I'm too young to make a difference, maybe I can do that when I'm older. Let me share 1 Timothy 4, 12 with you. This is what it says. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But be an example to all the believers in what you say, how you live, in your love, your faith, and in your purity. In other words, don't let anybody look down on you for any reason. But you make a decision to set the example to everyone by the way that you live your life. We've said a lot lately as we've been in this series, Everyday Disciple, that the definition of a disciple is one who follows Jesus, one who lives like Jesus, or at least does our best. We're never going to be perfect. Jesus is not looking for your perfection. He's looking for your persistence. Do you continue to pursue, right? So you follow Jesus, live like Jesus, and that you make a decision to help others do the same. I've got this phrase in my mind, and I just can't get it out of my mind. We continually pray for God to move. We do that all the time. We pray for revival. We pray for God to move. God, would you move in my family? Would you move in my heart? Would you move in my team? Would you move in my school? Would you move in my neighborhood? Would you move in our church? Why don't we stop praying for God to move and actually become a move of God? Why don't we allow God to use us in such a way that we become the answer to other people's prayer? People are praying, God, move in my life. Why can't we allow him to use us to be the move of God in our city, to pastor the city, to make a difference, be a difference maker in the lives of the people that we come in contact with? I want to be a difference maker. Do you? Well, if you want to be a difference maker, here's a few things that it requires of us. Here's the first thing. Making a difference, being a difference maker, requires that we have a burden for people. We have to stop long enough to see 
the needs of people. When Jesus saw the crowds, Matthew 9, 36 tells us this, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He looked at those people and instead of saying those are the people with the problem, those are the people who are causing the issues, those are the people that's what's wrong with the world. Mm -mm, He didn't do any of that stuff. He looked at those people and had compassion on them. And so when you look at people that are lost, that are far from Jesus, or that just don't see the world the way that you do, do you have compassion on them? Do you have a burden? There's one song that's just kind of floating in my head. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. What breaks the heart of God? Lostness, lost people that are far from him, people who don't have a relationship with him. That's what breaks his heart. Does that break ours? We have, to, we have to have a burden for people. If you don't have that burden, then I'd pray you'd hit your knees and, and you'd seek God for that burden in your life to see lost people the way that he does. And that's really what we have to do. We have to see people through the eyes of Jesus. Not just see them the way you see them. See them the way he sees them. He created them. He breathed life into him. They, they, are, they are his creation. See people the way he sees them. You look at them and you see the problems. He looks at them and sees their potential. So why can't we start looking at people through the eyes of Jesus? When we do that, I believe we'll receive that burden. Here's the second thing, making a difference. Being a difference maker requires prayer, requires prayer. This week I went out on a run. I don't even pretend to be a runner. That makes me sound really good, right? I was out on a run. Uh, I ran three times while I was at this um, camp. Three mornings I got up and ran. Um, in the last six months, those are the three mornings that I've run. <laughs> not a runner, but I, I was trying. I was trying to get after. I ran about um, I don't know, was it twelve, fifteen? It was two miles. And at the end of this two two mile, two and a half mile run, um, I was just gassed. I was so out of breath. And I come around this corner. I didn't know exactly where I was. I come around this corner, and bam! There's this beautiful river that is running through the state of Tennessee. And I just ran right into this river. It's so beautiful. And so I spent some time with Jesus there. And then I kept walking up. I found a place where I could kind of hike up into um, the woods. And I did that. And I found this beautiful gem. I found this tree with a sign beside it that said the prayer oak. And then the sign beside this oak tree, this beautiful tree, said many spiritual battles have been won here. And there was a bench that you could sit there beside that prayer oak. And I sat down and I thought, what a cool, what a cool thing. What a cool thing to find. What a cool place to be. And the longer I sat there and the more I began to pray, the more I began to seek the face of God, the more I began to realize that sign was right. You could feel it. It was as if I had found a sacred place. And there were a lot of spiritual battles that had been won there. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I added one to the list because God helped me win a spiritual battle um, at that oak tree. Was there power in that oak tree? Absolutely not. It was just a place that had been sanctified, had been set apart. You could feel it. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie War Room. You need to watch it this afternoon. It'd be a great thing for you to watch with your family today. Uh, there's this character in this movie. She's just this prayer warrior. Um, I think about Ms. Lottie when, when I think about this lady. And, and this lady would go into her closet, her prayer closet. She literally had a closet. And she would just write out prayer requests. And she'd put them on uh, post-it notes and just put them all over. And she'd just pray. This was her place to pray. This was her place. This was her prayer book. Well, fast forward, she tried to sell this house. 
and someone's coming through this house to look at it to purchase. And the per a person walks into this closet and you can see them kind of look around and, and back up and then come back into the room. And you can just see the wheels turning. And, and finally, you just recognize that this guy knew this was a place dedicated to prayer. And the words, it just feels like it's baked in here, right? It's how beautiful is that? That when somebody walks into your house, when they walk into your place, that they know many spiritual battles have been won here. Man, we need to be on our face before the Lord. Do you have that place? Do you have that time set aside where you seek the face of God and that you win spiritual battles? The Lord gives you strength to win spiritual battles. Your prayer is powerful. That's why we say all the time at North Park, bold prayer honors God. Finish it with me. God honors bold prayer. Question is, are you praying bold prayers? I, wanna, I just want to draw you into a verse, James 5, 16. And I love the way that the message paraphrase puts this verse. And this is what it says. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. I want to say that again. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. When you have an encounter with the Lord, when you stay on your face before the Lord, when you become this person of prayer that's living right with God, you are a powerful force to be reckoned with. Pray in such a way, live in such a way that when you wake up in the morning, the enemy goes, uh-oh, she's up. Oh no, he's up, a powerful force to be reckoned with. Here's the third thing, a person that makes a difference, a difference maker, requires action. Man, making a difference requires action. We've got to do something. We've said so much lately, a disciple is one who follows Jesus, lives like Jesus, and helps others do the same. In other words, they put action behind the burden. They put action behind the prayer. Acts 1 and 8 reminds us that as followers of Jesus, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. You said yes to Jesus. His presence is now living inside of you. How powerful is that? And this is what it says the result will be. When you receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Four pulpits. What did that mean? Jerusalem was home. Judea was that next region. Samaria was even further than that and to the ends of the earth. What that verse is saying is when you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you as a follower of Jesus, and you're going to be witnesses everywhere, everywhere. No matter if you're at work or your church or school or in your locker room, and you're taking the presence of the Holy Spirit with you to those places when you do that, make a difference. You can't help but to. Romans 15, verses 1 through 6. I love this. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just do what's convenient for us. Strength is for service. It is not for status. Love that. So each of us need to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's a great question for you to ask. When you see somebody in need, here's what I've heard so much, especially over this last year. I even heard it yesterday. I had a guy call me yesterday 
And he said, I'm just, I need to apologize to you. I haven't reached out to you because I didn't know what to say. And I was like, man, don't even worry about it. Don't even give it a second thought. But I've heard that a lot. I didn't know what to say. I said that to a guy one time who was in dire need and I didn't reach out because I didn't know what to say. We, we use that as an excuse to not step in and lend a hand. But again, followers of Jesus don't make excuses. You can make excuses or you can get results. You can't do both. So let's think about that. If I don't know what to say, here's a great thing to say. How can I help? And acknowledge it. You know what? You're going through something difficult. You're going through something really hard. I don't know what to say. So here's the only thing I know. How can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? Let them know that you are a witness, right? That's a that's terminology we use at North Park all the time. You can either be a witness. A witness is somebody who sits back and watches the wreck, right? A witness is a person who says, hey, I recognize that what you're going through is hard, but I'm going to be with you. You were loved. I am cheering you on. How can I help you? So let's step in and let's help. The verse goes on. That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's trouble, but he waded right in and he helped them out. Let's make sure that we're difference makers. Let's act. Let's pray. Let's have a burden for people. Let's have a burden to see God move. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I feel like this is the unscripted part. Um, I feel like COVID, this season that we've been in, has almost made us, and by us, I just mean people as a whole. I'm not speaking to one specific person or necessarily just to North Park today. I'm just talking about people as a whole. I think the isolation has caused us to turn in and only focus on our few, our family, our quarantine people. The people in our circle that we formed in this season where it felt safe to be with those people when it didn't feel safe to be with other people. And I recognize it. It was the season that we're in. However, we're moving out of that season. And it is time to get our mind back on the mission and the purpose that he's given to us to build lifelong followers of Jesus to pastor a city. It's time for us to... Um, get back to the assignment that God's given to us. I'll be honest, when Marianne went home to be with Jesus, and it's really weird, I'll be honest, it's, it's, it's odd. Normally she would be right here on this couch and we'd be dialoguing, and I'm sure you've thought about that. Um, she'd be rolling her eyes at things I say, and um, those are great memories, and I, I, I cherish that, and I honor her today as I sit on this couch, and I've thought about her the entire time that I've been doing this. When that happened in our family, it's almost as if I went into a place of darkness, like the lights went out for me. And I don't even remember months that were in the first few months when that happened. But I can tell you that in the last few weeks especially, I feel like the light switches come on. I feel like the Holy Spirit is breathing joy and hope back in my life. Um, it's been a long time since I feel like I could use those words honestly and truthfully, hope, enjoy. When I think about the future for North Park and I think about the future for our family, when I think about the future, I'm hopeful and I get excited about what God is doing in our lives. I feel that God is healing us. He's healing our heart. He's healing our home. 
and we are rising up. I believe that God is helping us take the place that, that he's called us to, and it is a place to make a difference in somebody's life. And it's the same assignment that you have. My assignment's no different than yours. It may look different the way we do it, but the assignment to build lifelong followers of Jesus and be a difference maker in someone's life, it's the same. And so I pray that God would give you a hunger for his word. He would give you a hunger to stay on your face before him, that you would be in a spirit of worship and you would continually ask the question, how can I help? When you do that, when you act on that, when you follow Jesus, you live like Jesus, and you help other people do the same, you are living on mission, living on purpose. And when we come together as a church family, do that corporately in Pastor City, and we will be an explosion of light in a city of darkness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for my family today. God, thank you for the way that we can come together and encourage each other. God, I thank you that we're back in person um, each week. Thank you that we have the opportunity to look one another in the eye and ask tough questions and pray for one another and, and spur one another on to a deeper relationship with you. So I pray for a hunger to experience more of you as a church family. God, help us to not just want a move of God. Help us to be the move of God. God, be able to use us as your hands and feet to make an impact on the world. Help us pass through the city. And if there's somebody that hasn't made the decision to follow Jesus, I pray like those 52 students at that camp, Lord, that they would stand to proclaim today, I want to follow you. And they would just pray a simple prayer that says, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Wash me, cleanse me, set me free. Give me strength to live for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you better, you better let me know. You better let me know because I want to applaud you. I want to give you some great information, some next steps to help you be successful as a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And I want to thank you for joining us today. We love you. We are cheering you on. And we can't wait to see you next week in person at River Bend Middle School.